All right, today, and I got to do a disclaimer, I did it in Sunday school, I sat down in Sunday school and Kathy Ferguson is teaching basically what I'm preaching this morning. And it's like, okay, I mean, a lot of illustrations and same scriptures, and, but uh, I just take it as a confirmation, this is what I need to be doing today. And then, uh, so we're going to talk about your tongue, the power of the tongue. We're going to talk about life and death kind of issues today. And so if you brought your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Our, our main verse today, I just posted this on, on Jill's Facebook uh, page this morning, Jill's, uh, Brian's Facebook page through Jill, all right, uh, but uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty one, the tongue has the power of life and death, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit, the Amplified Bible says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it. For death or life. And then the message paraphrase Bible puts it this way. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. So we're going to talk about the words that we speak today. Someone quipped this, talk is cheap because the supply always exceeds the demand. There's some truth to that. And yet how many of us realize how powerfully our words affect our lives. Most of us heard this little saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Now, how many agree with that statement? Good, because words can hurt you. Matter of fact, I would dare say something was mentioned to maybe one of us, maybe in the first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, whatever, and those words are still haunting us, you know. Uh, and so uh, words are powerful. I'm going to start out by reading a couple of lists this morning. And as I read these lists, think about what's going through your mind as I read these phrases. List number one, I love you. You're important to me. Thank you so much. How can I repay you? You look really nice today. I like your new haircut. Great job. You're the best. This place wouldn't be the same without you. I'm proud of you. God has big plans for your life. You are irreplaceable. Now, as I was reading that list, you could tell that those were good phrases, pleasant phrases, things you could think about. It's like, I like those. Here's list number two. I hate you. You disgust me. I wish you had never been born. I wish you were dead. You make me sick. I want a divorce. Nobody cares about you. I'll never speak to you again. You'll never amount to anything. You're just like your dad, your mom, or whoever. Now, as I read that list, once again, you were saying, well, I didn't like those. I mean, most of those were negative and everything else. So what I want to do the next few weeks is talk to you about the power of your tongue. In other words, learning to tame your tongue, keeping a tight rein on your tongue. I want to talk about that little monster called the tongue, that uncontrollable little red rebel that lives in a red cave guarded by two rows of white soldiers called teeth. <laughs> Words shape and define our lives. Words reveal the faith we have in our life. The Scottish had some proverbs, keep your tongue a prisoner and your body will go free. Or this one, a long tongue shortens friendships. 
Sounds a lot like the Bible, doesn't it? Proverbs 21, 23 says, keep your mouth closed and you stay out of trouble. How many know that's true? All right. Keep your mouth closed and you stay out of trouble. Proverbs 13, 3, whoever controls his mouth protects his own life. Whoever has a big mouth comes to ruin. And then 1 Peter 3.10, if you want a happy, good life, keep control of your tongue and guard your lips from telling lies. And then Jesus said this in Matthew 15, verse 11, what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Now, the Bible mentions all kinds of tongues. There's a flattering tongue. There's a proud tongue. There's a lying tongue, a deceitful tongue, a perverted tongue, a soothing tongue, a healing tongue, a destructive tongue, a mischievous tongue, a wicked tongue, a soft tongue, as well as a backbiting tongue. I would challenge you in the weeks that lie before us as we walk through this next couple Sundays, uh, read through Proverbs and note how often Proverbs talks about the words you speak, the things your mouth says, and how to, how to go about really asking for God's help, keeping a tight rein on your tongue. Next week, we'll go more into depth of what James has to say, which was Sunday school this morning. But James chapter 3, 1 through 12, James talks about the tongue, and he compares the tongue to bits in a horse's mouth and a rudder on a ship. And he says, even though it's a very small part of the body, it can boast of great things. James calls the tongue a fire, the very world of iniquity. And James says, your tongue, my tongue, our tongues are untamable, a restless evil, full of deadly poison, used both to bless and to curse people, to curse people to bless God. I honestly believe that we sabotage a lot of our prayers because we're doing what James says. One minute we're blessing God, we're praising God, and the next minute we're cursing people. Not blaspheming them, not using vile language, but maybe criticizing them or speaking negatively about them or, or being what they, what they call down in the mouth regarding them. I mean, one minute our tongues are, are speaking about holy things and the good things of God, and the next thing we're mouthing off things that, that, that are unholy. And that's why I believe a lot of our prayers are canceled because out of the same mouth come praises and curses. And James says, my brothers, this should not be. But James also says that no man can tame his tongue. In other words, we all need God's help when it comes to what we say and what we speak. James also told us in uh, chapter 3, verse 2, that a man who doesn't stumble in what he says is perfect, is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. In other words, he's saying you don't have to worry about all the other parts of your body being led to sin or whatever. If he says, if you can just keep a tight rein on your tongue, it's going to help you in the long run. Now, I wonder today how startled James would be to find out how, man, how much man has actually conquered. 
I mean, we have put men into big, fancy tin cans and we shoot them off into space. We've sent men into submarines without coming to the surface for months. Man has had the moon under his feet. He's left his footprints on the ocean floor as well. We've also put some fantastic canisters up in the sky, bouncing our voices off these satellites to countries all around us. I mean, look how we have, as mankind, how we have harnessed the wind with these giant windmills and made the rivers and waterfalls drive our turbines. I mean, what an incredible thing man has done to control certain aspects and to conquer certain aspects of this world. I mean, look at how man has tamed all kinds of animals and birds and creatures of the sea. You don't believe me? Just go to SeaWorld sometime and watch their shows and you're going to go, wow, I didn't know that cats could do that or dogs could do that or pigs could be trained like that, let alone all the other creatures they have there. And yet James says, you know, he still hasn't conquered something and that's his tongue, you know, but no man can tame the tongue. In Psalm 63, 4, the tongue is called a sword. And it says this, they sharpen their tongues like swords and aim their words like deadly arrows. Now, I believe that this sword called the tongue has certainly damaged, bruised, wounded, and killed more people than all the swords and all the wars since history began. And I've also seen this many times over the years. For example, that newly married couple so lovey-dovey for days and days on end but one day the husband loses his temper and slashed into the heart and affections of his bride with uncontrollable anger, and his words were spoken that he'll regret forever. But it was said, the damage was done, the heart was hurt. How often we need to remember that old saying, we cannot call back the arrow we shot into the air, the water under the bridge, or the spoken word. Because once those words are out, they're out. See, the tongue has done more damage than any other instrument in the human body. And according to the, according to the Bible, we are responsible, you and I are accountable for the words that we speak. Once again, Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 12, 36 and 37 said this, let me tell you something, every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can be your damnation. So Jesus is simply saying, we're going to have to give an account for every word that we speak. By our words, we'll be justified, and by our words, we'll be condemned. Our own words can even snare us. Proverbs 6, 2, you have been trapped. You have been trapped by what you said, and snared by the words of your mouth. See, we are ensnared by vows and promises spoken but not kept. We are ensnared and trapped by reckless criticism and rash judgments. And I believe that today many Christians even live defeated lives because of their tongues, because of the words that they speak. They have become ensnared by what comes out of their mouth. In other words, if you are always talking negatively about your health, about your job, about your finances, about your family or whatever, it just drags you down that much more. Jesus said it this way, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, 
the mouth speaks. What's in the well will come out in the water. What's in the tree will come out in the fruit because there is nothing that gives you and me away so much as our speech. Dirty mouths come from dirty hearts. See, our speech shows where our hearts are and you can't cover up your heart. In other words, if there's bitterness in your heart, it will come through what you say and how we say it. If there's hatred, hatred is going to come out. If there's anger, anger is going to come out. No wonder James says the tongue cannot be controlled by man. The heart is simply engineering all that the tongue is going to say. The heart is the factory that produces all these vile things, and the tongue is literally the showcase of your heart. Friends, the human heart can be a snake pit, a dungeon of devilry, a foxhole of filth, a pit of perversity. Actually, it is the manufacturing place of all uncleanness and all sin. And the showcase of the heart is the tongue because the filth that comes out of a filthy heart comes through your lips. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, how many times do you speak words of death over your kids, over your family, over your, your marriage, over your job or those you work with, over your church. You see, your words are a true reflection of your heart. Once again, the tongue has the power of life and death. If the root is bad, the fruit is bad. And the reason, honestly, that we are negative with our tongue, the reason we are negative in what we say is because our heart is also that way. I call it self-talk, words of death. You're going to be just like your dad or you're just like your mom. You'll never succeed. You're no good at anything. I should have never married you. The kids are better off if we're divorced. I call these things self-fulfilling prophecies. Now, parents, let me remind you, don't say things that strip your children of their innocence. There may be stuff about your past that they don't need to know. Stop putting that garbage in their spirit. Be careful in what you say, once again, because words are life and death. They are powerful. I call it self-fulfilling prophecies or toxic talk, wounding words, and a spouse can do it as well, where you demean the other person with your words. You'll recall that Job's wife, she said, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, Job 2.10, you are talking, what's come out of my mind, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And it says this, in all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Here's his wife talking. Curse God and die. But Job's like, no, no, no. He did not sin against God in what he said. See, talk I hate to hear is when husbands refer to their wives as my old lady, or they'll call them stupid, or they'll constantly put them down. By the way, men, if you call your wife stupid, who is the dumber one here? You or her because you married her. <laughs> but, but husbands that demean their wives instead of cherishing them. Uh, guess what? If you do that around me and I hear it, I will rebuke you. 
I will correct you. I have done it before, and I'm able to do it again. I am an equal opportunity offender. <laughs> I won't go. I, there's a true story about that of a church I was pastoring in Iowa about that. But I like this little story. On a honeymoon, the groom took his bride by the hand and said, Now that we're married, dear, I hope you won't mind if I mention a few little defects that I've noticed about you. Not at all, the bride replied with a deceptive sweetness. It was those little defects that kept me from getting a better husband. It's like, touche. The tongue has a power of life and death. And some of you today, and I say this in love, besides the ushers have locked the doors, but some of you today are caught up in everybody else's affairs, and you're just nosy. And you're always looking for the latest gossip and the latest news. As I said a few weeks back, your tongue is so long and you could sit in the living room and lick a spoon in the kitchen. <laughs> My admonition to you today is start minding your own business. Quit butting into everybody else's business. And it's what the Bible calls a busybody. A busybody is simply a person who is trying to dig up the latest rumors and they're always trying to find the latest juicy you know, bits of information and as soon as they hear something, they'll run to the phone and they'll share it with their friends. Friend, did you hear what I heard? I mean, girlfriend, I got some news for you. Don't be a busybody. And ladies, I say this respectfully, you're going to have to be more on guard than, than even the men because studies show that women talk about three times as much as men do. Three times as many words in a day. And in general, women are more emotional and women are more likely to find out the details and do a little dog, talking, a little digging, and, and, and whatever. And maybe you've heard it said, if you want to get the word out, you can telegraph, you can telephone, you can tell a woman. Not to leave the men off the hook now. Once again, equal opportunity. All right. I heard about three ministers who went out on a boat fishing trip to Lake Roosevelt, Roosevelt Lake here in, in Arizona. And they said, you know, as ministers, we never get to get a talk. We don't get to let our hair down, so to speak. They have no hair let down. But uh, let's, just, let's just tell each other on this boat as we're fishing for crappies in Roosevelt, like, let's just tell each other our greatest things that we struggle in, our greatest sin. And the first pastor said, okay, I'll start. I got a problem with gambling. Sometimes I go across the border of Las Vegas to gamble. After all, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? And the second pastor says, okay, you shared your gambling problem. I'm going to share, you my, share with you my problem. My problem is drinking. And I go out and get a 12-pack of beer every Friday night, and I drink the whole thing every Friday night. They waited for the third pastor to say something, and they waited, and they waited. And he says, guys, we're not getting off this boat until you say something too. He wouldn't say anything, but finally, at their prodding, the, the third pastor says, well, my greatest struggle is gossiping, and I can't wait to get off this boat. Friends, what am I saying? Don't be a busybody. Learn to mind your own affairs. You see, human nature likes to know all the juicy details. We want to hear all the negatives so we can run and tell it to somebody else. Don't fall into that trap, and it is a trap. Nothing does more damage, nothing destroys relationships and even lifelong friendships than gossiping and spreading rumors and talking behind people's backs. Here's a verse of scripture to back up what I'm saying. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11. 
Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Here it is, to mind your own business. To mind your own business and to work with your hands just as we told you. I also shared this a few weeks back. Learn not to have an opinion about something you don't need to have an opinion about. I can't tell you how many times on Facebook I've, I've typed in something, a snarker response, only to erase it, and I erase a lot more than I post. All right. Just because, like, where'd that come from? Don't need to say it or whatever. Now we're stop butting into other people's business. Don't go around as a know-it-all trying to solve everybody's problems because, as I've also said, some people don't want you to solve their problems. Some people like having their problems, all right? And I believe that some of you would be a lot more, uh, have a lot more friends and you'd be a lot happier if you wouldn't cr- try to, to run everybody's life around you as like to say, say, hey, you're not called to straighten everybody out. I'm not called to straighten everybody out, even though at times I think that's my job, all right? It's not your job to make everybody just like you and to spend all your time and all your energy trying to run somebody else's life. Guess what? You have your hands full just trying to take care of your own life. Do a good job at that. Let me also add, even if something is true, that doesn't give you the right to tell it. Know what a tailbearer is? A tailbearer is one who runs from person to person telling matters that ought, not to, that ought to be concealed, whether they're true or false. Moses warned about this sin in Leviticus 19, verse 16, where he says, Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. And so, once again, don't go about spreading slander among people. By the way, something doesn't have to be a lie to make it gossip. Many of us think, well, if it's true, I can tell it to whoever I want to. No, you can't. All right. Telling the truth for the wrong motive can be even more destructive than telling a lie. In fact, here's a powerful definition of gossip that's quite revealing. It's sharing anything about someone when the act of sharing it is not, the, is not part of the solution to that person's problem. Sharing anything about someone, but it's not going to solve or resolve the problem. Now, many of us like to believe that listening to gossip is not really as bad as spreading it. Once again, not true. God says in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 4, an evildoer listens to wicked lips. An evildoer listens to wicked lips. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. Proverbs 10, 19 warns, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. Proverbs 13, 3, a controlled tongue means a safe life. And then we have Proverbs 14, 23, a loose tongue means poverty and foolishness. Proverbs 15, 12, and then Proverbs 17, 27, 28, a person of a few words is a person of knowledge. Now, ultimately, there is sometimes even a multitude of words even in God's house. And Ecclesiastes has some good counsel about this. Ecclesiastes 5, 1 and 2 says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. 
And then verse 2, Ecclesiastes 5.2. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. In other words, go to listen. Don't be quick with your mouth. Let your words be few. You see, in our conversations, we should ask ourselves, do we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what I'm hearing is true? In other words, do I have all the facts? Have I, heard, have I actually heard the other side of the story? And then secondly, is it absolutely necessary? In other words, do we need to tell it or do we just want to tell it? Slander is not only speaking evil of people or cursing people. Slander is saying anything that's unnecessary that causes a person to lower his opinion of another person. That's pretty revealing, isn't it? James 1.19, let every man be swift to hear and slow to do what? To speak. Too often we are slow to hear and we're quick to speak. No wonder Jesus said to every church in, in Asia Minor, to those who have ears, let them hear. You know, once again, swift to hear, slow to speak. A godly person will study to answer, but a fool will open his mouth and pour out foolishness. Proverbs 15, 28. I like this little story. A pastor, or a guy came to his pastor and says, Pastor, I only have one talent. And the pastor says, Oh, you do? What's your talent? The man says, well, I have the gift of criticism. The pastor was wise and said, well, the Bible says that the guy who had only one talent went out and buried it. Maybe that's what you ought to do with your talent as well. <laughs> and leaders, listen up. If you're ever going to be a leader, you've got to understand this truth because God's not going to put you in a position of leadership if you do not know how to control your mouth. If you go around telling everything you know. I know one thing that God will not put up with is somebody that has a loose mouth and goes around telling people things that ought not to be told. The one thing the Bible says that God hates is when people sow discord among the brethren. Now, how do we sow discord? How do we cause strife? By talking about people behind their backs by spreading gossip, by spreading rumors, by saying things that hurt people's reputation, by repeating things, even if they are true, that causes a person to lower their opinion of another person. I know a lot of times they think, well, I'm just going to tell one person. How many have heard the phrase, a rolling stone gathers no moss? But a rolling story gathers something fresh every time it's told. No wonder Proverbs 10, 19 says, When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Or Ecclesiastes 10, 14. The fool multiplies words. Now, if somebody comes up to you wanting to talk about somebody else, friends, don't just sit back and take it all in. Why? Because your ears are not garbage cans. Don't allow people to poison you and pollute your mind toward another person. I mean, why is it today that we are so ready to believe the worst of people? We need to gently but firmly say to that person, you know, that comes to us, I'm sorry, 
but you're telling me something that I really don't think I should be listening to, take this to God, take it to God in prayer, take it to those involved, but leave me out of the process here. See, a few exhortations like that, and it will stop most gossips in their tracks. At least you will stop them from coming to you, and, you know, with their treachery and, and telling you things they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be saying. See, the Bible even warns, didn't know if you realize or not, the Bible warns not to associate with a gossip. Proverbs 20, 19. He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. How many have heard the name Alice Roosevelt Longsworth? Daughter of Theodore Roosevelt. She had this famous saying, pictures up there, if you haven't got anything good to say about anybody, come sit next to me. In other words, everyone knew that if they wanted to gossip or had anything negative to say, hers was a willing ear. Are you known today to have a willing ear? Hopefully not. Or ask yourself, why do people always want to unload on me? All right. Maybe because you have a willing ear. Why do they always want to tell you what's wrong with this person or, or that person or that ministry or, or that church or whatever? Could it be that you are simply allowing it and they feel comfortable in doing so? Once again, my counsel, if you hear something negative, go to the person who can tell you the real answer. By the way, the pastor's doors are always open. If you ask someone who doesn't know, you're just spreading the negativity. When somebody comes up to you and says, well, did you hear about so-and-so? Just smile at them and then say, you know, I did not hear about so-and-so, and you know what? If it's not good, I don't want to hear it. Don't poison me with that stuff. And if they persist in telling you all the negative stuff, stop them and just simply say, you know, Let's go talk to the pastor right now. That will stop most of it in its tracks. Friends, stay on the offensive. Always remember this. If that person will talk about somebody else in front of you, don't kid yourself. One day they will talk about you in front of somebody else. That is all but the enemy trying to bait you. And as I already mentioned, it's just as wrong to listen to gossip as it is to tell gossip. In fact, we have a responsibility to stop it. Now, let me quote from this great theologian in the 1960s. His name was Barney Fife, and Barney Fife says, Nip it. Nip it in the bud. Be a bud nipper when it comes to gossip. Amen? He wasn't a theologian, just character. Proverbs eleven thirteen: A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. A gossip goes around spreading rumors, but a trustworthy person tries to quiet them. See, God doesn't listen to gossip except to judge it. And one of the best things you can do is somebody starts talking to you about somebody else is say, you know, let's just stop right there and pray for this person instead of talking about this person. Once again, I am convinced if we would spend the same amount of time praying for people than we do talking about people, then God would begin to change some hearts in the process. Another thing I learned is you cannot, you cannot believe everything you hear. Everything you read on the internet 
isn't true. May I take that a step further in today's woke culture? Men don't have babies. Prager University, okay? I, uh, anyway. But don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you read. The Bible says, do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. And then 2 Corinthians 13.1, every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Friends, that simply means don't just believe the first thing you hear all the time. I'm not saying you deny everything. I'm not saying you stick your head in the sand. Uh, but I'm saying we should give people the benefit of the doubt and check it out before we form our own opinion. And remember, even if they are wrong, that doesn't give you and me the right to spread it. We need to pray for people instead of talking about people because God is coming back for a church that is prayer mental and not judgmental. This is what, honestly, true intercession is all about. And it just very well could be the Holy Spirit might show you something about somebody else. It's not so you can go blab it to everybody else. It's to take it to God in prayer. Just you and God. You interceding and praying the heart of God. So what am I saying? I'm saying be a people that spreads good news, not bad news. Let's build people up. Let's not tear them down. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32 Paul talks about living as children of the light. And in that passage, it's put off the old self, be made new in the attitude of your minds, put off falsehood and speak truthfully. But then he says this toward the end of, of chapter 4, verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of what? Come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for doing what? For building others up not tearing them down for building others up how according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the holy spirit of god with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption and then notice verse 31 that follows things that happen because of the tongue verse 31 get rid of all bitterness rage and anger brawling and slander along with every form of malice it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You see, our words can tear up, can tear people up, up whatever, or it can build people up. Let's build people up instead of tearing people up. Going back to our, our main verse this morning, Proverbs 8.21, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. Yeah, did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah, I did, but I'm believing God. I'm believing God to restore them. I believe God's going to bring them back. Well, I didn't hear that. And besides, I wasn't there, and, and I don't think I need to have an opinion about that. Please refrain from telling me this. You do your best to cover them. See, love covers, doesn't overlook, but covers a multitude of sins. So we need to pray. And I'm going to close this morning by sharing with you four verses that you can make a matter of prayer for your life this week. Remember, James says, we'll get into James 3 next week, but no man can tame the tongue. We all need the help of God. So first verse, Proverbs 39, verse 1. 
Proverbs 30, uh, Psalm, Psalm 39, verse 1. I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I like this. I will put a muzzle on my mouth as long as the wicked are in my presence. That's good. Psalm 39.1. Next one, Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Next verse, Psalm 35, verse 28. My tongue will speak of your righteousness and your praises all day long. And then the final verse, we know this one, Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God, help me. Help me in the very words that I speak. May, may my words bring life and not death. And Father, forgive me for the anger, for the rage, for the bitterness, all these things that are not pleasing in your sight. Let's all stand to our feet. We'll close in prayer. I'm not going to ask this morning for a show of hands saying, how many this morning have a problem with your mouth, you know, with your words? It's like all our hands going up. You know, if I was to have an altar call this morning, every one of us should be at the altar saying, God, help me. But I want to pray this morning, and I'm going to ask for God's help in all of our lives that God would help us be givers of life for the, for the very things that we say, givers of life and not that of death. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for challenging us through your word and for showing us there is power in our tongues, the words that we speak. And Lord, as it says in Ephesians, God, help us. Help each one of us, God, not to let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Father, forgive us today for tearing others down. Forgive us today, God, for speaking things that we shouldn't speak, for gossiping, for slandering, for being a talebearer. God, help us. We need your help. As James says, no man can control a tongue. We need, Holy Spirit, we need your help. And so help each one of us today as we say with the psalmist, God, may the words of my mouth, the very things that I meditate in my heart, God, be pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God, help us. And even as we read through Proverbs the next few weeks, God, that you would just quicken your word to our spirits, that we'd put a guard, if you would, over our, our, our hearts, because once again, as you said, Jesus, out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouths speak. And so God, guard our hearts as well. And Lord, I pray your blessing now upon the, this church and upon your people, that we'd be uh, those who would speak words of life and not death. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. The altars are open. If you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you, pray with you. I mean, today is the day of salvation. You're not guaranteed of tomorrow. Tomorrow is only a day on a fool's calendar. If you need Jesus Christ to, to, to forgive you of your sins, I want to be available to pray with you, pray for you. Other than that, go with the blessing of God. Guard your mouth, guard your words, guard your tongue, 
I'm going to ask God to renew your heart. God bless you all. Have a great day in the Lord. Amen.